There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. He's dog meat. But that's what I'm saying. You're dog meat, so you don't even need the video game. Your whole life's a video game. I need it, man. Is I this just being recorded? <laughs> I just don't understand how one video game is better than another if it doesn't, like, pay you money or, like, get you laid. You can be a competitive video game or you can go to the gamer conventions and get a lot of money for killing people, uh, you know, in fake worlds. He's not, though. <laughs> um, all right. Should we uh, go on to part two of H.H. Holmes? Let's do it. All right. So I play Sudoku. Yeah. Oh, my God. Whatever. <laughs> and welcome to the last podcast on the left. I'm, gonna, I'm doing it. Welcome. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. Uh, I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. This guy over here to my left, he's been, uh, he's a little ill. He's a little sick. <coughs> oh. <laughs> come on, come on. It's just okay. go ahead and uh, write my will, if you would. What do I, I get? Henry's Trotsky of <laughs> Sound Mind and Body do bequeath my Batman hat to my corpse. You're gonna, you can't will your corpse. Casket, and I take the two eighths of weed I bought the other day from a man and I met on the street, which is true. <laughs> I'll bequeath those to my corpse in my <laughs> casket and my thousands of dollars <laughs> I bequeath to my corpse. You're just you're gonna die like an Egyptian pharaoh? Yes. You're just gonna take all your shit? Bury the items I have. The things that served me in life will serve me after the veil. Thousands of dollars, two eighths of weed, and your Batman hat. Yeah, that's all I need. Okay. When I'm in heaven, uh-huh. tap dancing with Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> you know, he could tap dance. Yeah, right, true. he tap dance. Yeah, right? oh, he could do it all. Who's he the other could one? Do it all. What's the? It was Crispin Glover, not him. Oh. Daniel Glover, <laughs> Damian Glover. That's the son. <laughs> Who's the guy that tap danced? The black guy there that was, was on Hines. Sesame Street. Hines. Oh yeah, Gregory, yeah, Gregory Hines. Hines. Yes, yeah. he was very talented. Yeah. Yes, rest in peace. God, I miss him. I, every day I miss Gregory Hines. <laughs> Do you think he was gassed to death in an airtight vault by an 18th century killer? Maybe. You never know. So now we're going on to H.H. Holmes, his murder house. Uh, we're going to discuss it being built and things like that. Oh, yeah, man. Let's start with the construction of H.H. Holmes's murder castle. Now, this guy was a real Martha Washington. <laughs> Why do you say that? He just did it by hand. Mm. This guy, I mean... Just when we go into describing this house, you just forget how like killers these days, they don't put the work in. No. no. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Dahmer spent hours trolling the gay bars. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gacy learned three rope magic tricks. Right. And that takes hours because it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert. In <laughs> oh, is that right? Yes. 10,000? 10, 10,000 wow. hours of practice. And wow. so Gacy put 10,000 hours of practice into murdering little boys. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But H.H. Holmes, in order to kill... The first thing he did was build a three-floor house. <laughs> right. The labyrinthian rooms, it's it's insane. If it you is. just think about it, this is a, this is a fixer upper <laughs> yeah. of a kill. This guy has got had his eye on the prize. This is a real Steve Jobs of a <laughs> killer. I, I would love to see this on Property Brothers or some sort of home improvement show. Oh, flip that would be that great. House, that show. Remember Flip That House? Flip That House. Yeah, Flip That Murder Castle. That's right. And it's a hell of a lot better than Gacy's. What, he just had a crawl space, right? Yeah. He never really built out. It was a crawl space and it yeah. had been built for him. He didn't right. build anything out. Holmes, he took an empty lot that was across the street from his pharmacy and built it from the ground up. Everything was from scratch. It's very interesting if you look at killer's lairs, right? Like, if you take a look at the, down the line, again, like, look at Dahmer and the idea of that apartment, like, being like, these. Are, this is really the final resting place for these people. Uh, that, you know, they have the basement crawl space. Casey's got the basement crawl space. Albert Fish had his rooms, like, marked off from his mother's room. I'm not... Mm-hmm. Um, Ed Gein had his rooms marked off from his mother's rooms and shit like that. Mm. It's now th- this is the real supervillain's fucking lair, and he built it all as a tribute to death. Yeah, mm. he sketched the architectural plans himself from scratch. Even though there was an architect like right down the street, he was like, "No, no, no." People said, "Why don't you go down and ask that guy mm. to sketch the plans?" He's like. No, 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 I have a vision. I'm going to be doing it myself. Nobody saw the actual architectural plans. He would just tell, simply tell guys, it's like, okay, so you need to build this hallway.
hallway from this side down to this side. There's going to be a guy working with you over here. He's going to be working on the door frame. But, oh, wait, that guy is gone now. Now this other guy is going to be working on it because what H.H. Holmes would do is that he was the only one that had a, the entire vision of the entire murder castle in his mind. He never told anybody what they were actually working towards. Mm. He would tell guys like, okay, you're going to build a door frame here. You're going to put in a little gas pipe there. Oh, is that for murder? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. (laughs) No. No, it's for gas (laughs) delivery system so I can deliver each person who stays here in my lodging house their own personal packet of Housing gas. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's housing gas, you say? Oh, well, it helps them sleep forever. No, 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 no. <laughs> Only semi-permanently. <laughs> yes, step, 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 step. <laughs> but you, he has a twofold plan here. Yes. So, yes, part of it is to keep the mystery of the house and nobody knows the interior of the house. And But also, there's a very practical matter of H.H. Holmes was just pretending to be a rich person the whole time. Yeah. And so what he would do is he would hire somebody, like four or five days, have them build a stairwell and then fire them by telling by telling them that they're doing a shitty job and then not pay them in order to get out of not paying anybody well to be fair can we be fair they were doing a shitty job (laughs) whether they knew it or not they were making a house of mayhem but you also will find out later on that the house actually was shoddily put together yeah um and yeah of course he wasn't an architect and he was just telling dudes to put shit up he was just hiring a bunch of drunks (laughs) he he actually was because in chicago at the time and in america in general the economy was not fantastic in fact we were kind of on the edge of a a great not the great depression but a big economic economic collapse so uh, a, a lot of these people just like the women these men were flocking to these urban centers especially in the midwest they're all going to chicago to find work to only to find that there were thousands of other men who had the exact same idea so mm-hmm. holmes could put an ad in the paper say carpenters wanted and 10 guys would show up the next day and he can say like okay you come on do the work and then after a couple of days he could tell them to fuck off and there would be 10 more guys waiting right Right there behind it. Absolutely. And you can, um, it, it's very interesting. The way construction jobs even work to this day, especially if you're doing day labor or stuff, they only pay you at the end of the day or the end of the project. Mm. So it's it's a great way of getting out of pay for things. And I will say this, as I, when I was trying to make it in New York and I couldn't do it, I, I got to tell you, this is a quick little tip. If you don't, if you need money and you, you got to get it, just get credit cards from department stores and max them out because then they come <laughs> looking for the money and then you just say you don't have the money. That's a good idea. Good advice, Henry. You just say you don't have the money. Yeah, I won't be able to own a house or a boat or a car for about 21 years. Sure. Seven. But hey, I mean, actually, I think it is longer than seven <laughs> because I did do serious damage to my credit. And if you are a person that is a debt consolidator, please contact last yeah. podcast on the left because I'm trying to figure out my financial problems. Yeah, so I've had a fun time talking to those debt collectors. They're all in Texas. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Also, say, how's the weather? Washington, D.C., Delaware. Oh, Don't answer those numbers no. when they pop up on the cell phone. But it's just, you know, all you got to do a lot of times to get out of something, H.H. Holmes kind of invented it you just say i don't got the money (laughs) and then you charm them because that's what hh holmes would do (laughs) you smile a lot because they would he would have i mean dozens of people coming to collect debts from him uh every week he'd come these people would show up to his door they'd be extremely pissed off at first and then what people would say is that they would always leave with hh holmes patting you on the back telling you a joke thinking that he was your best friend in the entire world i gotta tell you it's that mustache Oh, yeah. That's what he had. He had a different... That mustache made him better. Because it's like, what did Gacy have? Again, to compare him again. A clown costume? Not charming. (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer had a good wiggle dance that you could put him up in a cage and he'll dance around and boys will throw dollars at him and that's fine for a while. But then you get him in the fluorescent lights (laughs) of the lobby of the hotel where you're staying and you're like, ooh. Pockmarks. Yeah, he's got hypno-eyes. Yeah. This guy had a very thick Mario type mustache. Which Dahmer no- had a good mustache, though. Let's give a little credit to the oh, Dom stash. No. Oh, Dahmer had an awful mustache. I like the Dahmer mustache. Oh, no, 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 no. He had a ten dollar blowjob mustache. <laughs> well, this is sort of what he was going for. No, he had a H. H. Holmes had a full thick 
aristocrat's mustache. Yes. You could fit two ladies on either side of that mustache, and that's yeah. what that's for. He's just like, I've got parking on the left and on the right for all your poon tastes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this guy's this, this, this guy's something special. I don't know why everybody even that's the girl. Like that. yeah, that's more Jack of the Ripper. Uh, which, by the way, Jack the Ripper was going on at the same time in England as the H.H. Holmes stuff. And of course, uh, just as a small aside, uh, the grandson, I think it's great-great-grandson of H.H. Holmes, uh, his last name is Mudgett. He takes the original name of H.H. H. Holmes, Herman Webster Mudgett, uh, and he claims that H.H. H. Holmes was actually Jack the Ripper. And I want to thank, of course, science officer Megan Fierro Root for reading Mudgett's awful book uh, and uh, surmising that it is 1,000% Bullshit. No, 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 no. There's no way that obscure great-grandson of an ancient <laughs> serial killer is trying to just make money. You don't think he's trying to profit no, on No, no. The, these uh. people only crave truth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that about grandchildren of serial killers. Just them, Kylie Jenner. Just true, just beacons of honesty. Mm-hmm. Just needing, just needing to share what lipstick shades they're wearing. Right. And how good they're... Bibble bobbles look in a mesh tank tap. So H.H. H. Holmes <laughs> is just grabbing construction workers. They're all over the place. He has the pick of the litter. Yeah, it took him a year and a half to construct his castle. And by the time he was done, over 500 workers had come and gone without a single one of them figuring out what the true purpose actually was. Now, looking back on high side, especially well over 100 years in the past, it really seems like to us, it seems impossible that nobody noticed that so was, there was some fishy shit going on. Like, for example, mm-hmm. the sleeping pipe. It's very odd that nobody noticed that it was weird that he was installing gas pipes that went nowhere except into the room in almost every room in the second floor. But, yeah, but there's complete... I mean, but I would say there is complete validation to the greased shoots uh, that would go <laughs> down from the rooms into the what he also were giant lime pits at the bottom yeah. of the thing because what he said to them is that it was for butlers to have fun. He said it's like a slide and a butler can just slide down the chute straight into a lime pit and then you know you bring a martini down there you could just dip your martini in it and huh. give it a citrus taste. Ooh, that does sound good. <laughs> there were a couple of signs here and there. There was something a little fishy going on. There was one bricklayer that so said Holmes approached him and just casually said, uh, "You see that? Uh, you see that man down there? Well, that's my brother-in-law, and he has got no love for me, neither I for him. Now, it would be the easiest matter for you to drop a stone on that fellow's head while you're at work, and I'll give you fifty dollars." If you do, that's kind of a fun thing before the game. Angry Birds, yeah, but in real life, it's murder. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just throwing rocks at people, or killing birds. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So any good psychopath or any good, um, I guess you'd say, con man needs a wheel man. What I do like about this part of the story is that it's it's true and it really elevates H.H. H. Holmes to a serial killer. Again, it's like you could say Gacy maybe had accomplices, but he really did. He had a, a, a fucking goon. H.H. H. Holmes had a goon. He, uh, the guy's name was Benjamin Peitzel. He came into Holmes' life in the fall of 1889 after answering a call in the newspaper for carpenters. And Holmes, he was one of those guys, and he was the consummate con man. He could see a dupe from a mile away. Well, especially a very useful dupe. The thing yeah. about Peitzel, too, is that he had this... Uh, he just one of those backgrounds where he, was, he grew up, again, described as very handsome, like very kind of like... He had a lot going for him growing up as a kid, and then it all just went to shit. And so it's this perfect thing of, like, you've got... Horrible alcoholic. Yeah, he just looked at him, and he was like, this guy had a lot of stunted potential Yeah, um, from back in the day, and I can ride this drunk now. Now that he's a complete drunk, I can use him to do whatever I want. Yeah, he was a fairly good-looking guy, and he mm. also had seven kids, so he was desperate. You know, not only was he a bit of a goon, but he was also absolutely desperate to do pretty much anything that Holmes wanted in return for a paycheck and Holmes they also described Holmes as having a mesmerizing gaze that's what later that's how they described him they can 
described him as having the devil's gaze. That he could make almost anybody do anything. Almost a supernatural power. It's very interesting because mostly I think it's got to do with the desperation. Because like, they say about Peitzel's, he truly did love his family. Yeah. And But what happened was is that because he kept going from weird odd job to odd job and each thing kind of falling out from underneath him, he... His morality changed as well. Well, they got to stop really, yeah. celebrating every time he gets fired by having a new kid. I mean, seven <laughs> kids? Take it easy, buddy. Yeah, I mean, he was. they were just going at it like a couple of Irish in a bog over there. <laughs> insanity. Yeah, seven kids. I don't know. That's, that always seems to go hand in hand, the drunk and the brood of children. What's right. because he learned it for yeah, yeah. sometimes you, love, you know when you're real drunk and you're just like let's just yeah. let's just go in there without a pilot. You know what I'm saying? And then <laughs> right. and then but as most people are like no, most people should just be like no, no, don't yeah, yeah, do yeah. that. No, no, no. But then yeah, when you're drunk, your pullout game, as the kids say, is a little weak. Pullout game's weak, yo. I don't think the kids are saying that. <laughs> the pullout <laughs> game is is ratchet, dude. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. Ben, I've seen it in memes. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, Bay. <laughs> oh my goodness! All yeah, right, hashtag Bay. I can't. I can't deal with it. Is that, am I talking to the the kids now? <laughs> yes, you're talking to the kids. You're my Bay dog meat. Uh, well, we can ask a, later on. We can ask senior youth correspondent Sonia Sells if we're doing this properly, which I think we are. That'll All right, be, let's get, I think we're nailing it. That would be quite ratchet of her. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna freak out here. Boys. So Peitzel's yeah. got seven kids. He he's likes got, to get drunk and bone his wife. And as far as we know, he's not a very clever man. He's a very dedicated man. Not necessarily clever. And as far as we know, he never caught on to or just chose to ignore Holmes's uh, murderous hobbies. What Holmes got up to when nobody was looking. Mm. Uh, but years later, the Peitzels, like right now, Benjamin Peitzel is playing a very supporting role in the story of H.H. H. Holmes. But once we get near the end of it, the Peitzels would be the main characters in H.H. H. Holmes's downfall. And it was be and it's also entirely H.H. H. Holmes' fault. Yes. It absolutely is. So the murder castle itself, sight to behold on the outside. People in the neighborhood saw it as a monument to man's success. Like they said, like, oh, that H.H. H. Holmes, he's such a go-getter. Look at what he's constructed. And on the first floor, everything was cool. Of course, the first floor, there were shops, restaurants. Uh, there was a barber shop. There was a jewelry store. There was, of course, H.H. H. Holmes's kick-ass pharmacy. But when she got up to the second and third floors, those were used for lodging, both short-term and long-term. Holmes also had his office up on the third floor. The three, the second and third floor had a decidedly different flavor from the glitz and glamour of the first. It's mm. very interesting. Like once yeah. you, if you look at the blueprints, Ooh. it's like that's what I would do with the, while you're listening to this. If you're at home, like look up the blueprints of the second, third floor. They're it's crazy. Yeah, it's again, it's just like he's a supervillain. It looks <laughs> really fun. It does look kind of fun. If I mean the gas didn't yeah. kill you, it could you. be yeah, like so. romantic to chase your girlfriend around. It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Except if there was a man who eventually closed the vault door, <laughs> and you're like, hey, all right, okay, I pay my 25 bucks to let me out of this whorehouse. And he's just like, as soon as I'm done ejaculating, now please spasm with suffocation so I may complete my self-fernification. That does bring up the question, did he, when he would go and look through the people at these people, was he rock hard? This he did masturbate. Yeah. Did he masturbate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. he was Because you don't hear that about much it. about him sexually. Yeah, yeah, you defi he definitely masturbates. He spills his seed as they, uh, in the parlance of the town. Spills time. his seed yeah. like, a, like a milkman tripping on the job he and just spills the milk everywhere? I don't he know. Just, I mean, cosmetically, a very a very similar uh, type of situation. It's called dripping the spats. Oh, I see. <laughs> Making the bad pancake. <laughs> so the <r> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that pancake. <laughs> <laughs> so the rooms on the third floor were completely normal on the inside, but the layout of the floor itself was confusing, to say the very least. The hallways were all narrow, angled at very odd places, and the only light outside of the rooms came from widely spaced, barely working gas lamps. Dead ends were the norm around here, as were stairways that led nowhere, and locked doors for which only Holmes had the key. And the second floor was even worse. It had 51 doors in six hallways, which crisscrossed through each other, and behind the 51 doors were 35 rooms. The second floor also held the rooms that Holmes had made 
custom for his purposes. Yeah. Some had been sealed airtight with asbestos-covered steel plates. Irresponsible. Very, Asbest- my grandfather died of asbestos poisoning. He got cancer. So. I thought he died of being a Nazi. No, my, that he died of old age. <laughs> God, that must have been so tough being a janitor at Dachau. <laughs> Asbestos hanging out. I have two parents, you know. <laughs> oh, I forget. One was a liberty, oh, a libertarian, well, a liberty, a daughter of liberty, or something like that. What is it? Daughter of the American Revolution. No, he was just a North Dakotian constru- uh, carpenter. Yeah. He's like Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> and a good man, I'd imagine. Yes, he was. Other rooms in uh, the second floor were soundproof, and some had been made claustrophobically small. So most of the rooms, especially the airtight ones, had, as we said earlier, small gas pipes outfitted somewhere out of sight. And the controls for each of these gas pipes were up on the third floor in Holmes's bedroom where he could turn on the gas and kill any guest he wanted to at any time. Now, wouldn't it be cool if H.H. <laughs> Holmes instead was Jamaican and what he did instead of killing all those people was roll up a big old blunt and just like get a bunch of tubes and be like, okay, everybody, it's time for that good morning jam session and everyone's like, you're right, boy. And then he's just like, and then like legalize it. Starts like Got playing to. over an intercom system and ever just fucking gets high shit and having a great time in the I house. mean at this point I don't even I don't even think weed was illegal yet. No, absolutely yeah, not. So no, it was you don't even gotta sing legalize it. Yeah, yeah. We were just doing we were doing the born shit with it. Like yep. they do now. I mean, I gotta say, I hate hemp cloth, but we'll get into it. God, yeah. that's a hell of an idea for a hotel though, Henry. Legalize it. <laughs> Call it the wake and bake in, and you just you're forced to get stoned. I would dress just like H. H. Holmes, but in green. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have like a big fucking gold weed leaf on a fucking chain around me. And that's all I do. And I'd carry a cane that was just one long blunt. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Man, that's what I'm going to do. That continental breakfast would taste very good. Oh, H.H. H. Holmes had all kinds of access to narcotics. I mean, he had a late 19th century pharmacy. Downstairs, you've got cocaine for right. your teeth. You've got laudanum for headaches. Laudanum being pretty much methadone. And I gotta say, Coke and laudanum still work great for your teeth and headaches. (laughs) Because you stop thinking about your teeth and the headaches. (laughs) Right. So to keep the guests from escaping if they sensed something was wrong, Holmes installed locks only on the outside of these special rooms. If he wanted to witness the woman inside asphyxiating, each room was outfitted with a secret peephole. God damn. That's a lot of work. And then putting <laughs> peepholes in each. It's just like, it just seemed once you get in the hotel room, it would take a lot of convincing just to keep you in the hotel. Like, as soon as I got yeah. in there, and he's just like, I'll lock the door. But first, <laughs> let me watch you to make sure you're comfortable. And you know, I should eventually be like, you know, there's a Marriott, <laughs> like right down the block, Cynthia. And I know you wanted to stay in the castle because you felt like a princess, but I can't help but think, and I don't mean to be a negative Nelly. But I can't help but think we're in a bit of a murder fucking castle. <laughs> I think this is a murder building. Yeah. They just wanted to go on a vacation. You never take me out. You never do what I want. That's right. Yeah, and Ben, they just wanted to go on a vacation, and you know. They found nothing but trouble. <laughs> That's sad. The bone machine. <laughs> so both the peepholes and the rooms were accessed by a series of secret passageways concealed by sliding panels hidden in the walls. And once the victim had either completely expired, or was close enough, Holmes now had the task of taking the body elsewhere. Of course, he couldn't just pick up the dead girl, carry her down the hallway, down a flight of stairs, down to a cellar. He had to have some secret means of disposing of the bodies. And in this, and of course, as we say, in all matters murder, Holmes showed enormous Foresight, Like, he thought this entire thing through step by step by step. The secret passageways were connected to his cellar, and you may think that Henry was joking about this earlier. He seriously did have greased chutes going down from the second floor where all of the custom-built murder rooms were. Grease chutes going from there down into the cellar. But this reminds me of, like, do you ever do that as a kid? Because I remember being as a kid, I would take these big sheets of paper and draw, like, super elaborate, like, UFO versus military fights. Like, I would do this big, you know, like, huge, huge pictures. Yeah. And it just feels like a kid doing that. 
but with murder. Yeah. And it's the only mm. thing that he really thought out. When you will go through the rest of his frauds and all the different insurance claims and fake shit that he did later, all the con jobs, but he kind of just fucked with those. Where When it came to this murder hotel, he really, like, he really figured it out. Yeah. Greased, uh, greased shoots, it also sounds like what you get after you have too much Taco Bell. Greased shoots. Mm-hmm. Destination XL. <laughs> Extra large. Get back to me, DXL. What's happening? Yeah, he did show. It was like Con Man was his job, but Murder Castle was his passion. Yeah, it's nice to see. It's good to have both yeah, because you got to have the thing that supports the passion. You know, right. like yeah. I, I mean, podcasting for me just pays the bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big oil painter. Oh, is that right? Yes, yes. And I've just been doing oil paints in my house. Yeah, what, are you, so. what are you working on? Um, I have this big thing. It's just it's all black, and it says in it's what I'm tentatively titled. It's called Inside My Ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of dark in there, huh? Yeah, yeah, but one little, p- two little pee holes of light at the very end, which are my nostrils. Oh, it really so gets like up there. the tube. Hmm. Huh. You should rename it the tube. Fuck. Well, he's the artist, Mark. <laughs> Just let him name his own work, please. It's so much better than my idea. It's fine. It's a great right? idea. Right? Isn't it so much better? You want you to come and paint it. <laughs> so once the bodies arrived in the brick-walled cellar, the bodies met one of three fates. The first was a chemical fate in which the bodies were dissolved either in acid tanks or quicklime vats, which, of course, he got installed in his own cellar. The second was through cremation, which he achieved through a furnace that was ostensibly installed for glass bending. And they kept saying, like, because when they... When they put it in, they were like, oh, this is much too small for glass bending. It's only three feet wide by eight feet long. It's like he'd be using this to burn up a person or something. <laughs> that's fun. That's funny. Well, no, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. And then no. they did laugh about it. They're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, man. oh, how they laughed at that. They're when all they- complicit. No, I mean, it's really strange how much people just sort of, they just, you really see the uh, attitude of people at the times that they just don't believe this stuff. Like, they, of course, they joke about it. They're like, of course, like, that's more of a human-sized furnace. And then they just laugh about it, and they're like, yeah, but there's no way anybody would install a cremation furnace in their basement. Yeah, why would do that? It's like they built an entire hotel devoted to murder. (laughs) And it's not only that. Holmes even asked him, he even asked him, he's like, so anything I burn in here, it's gonna burn the smell too, right? Because, you know, I don't Mm. want the glass smell to go up through my hotel. It's like, it's weird. There's not really much of a glass smell, but (laughs) yeah, I suppose it would burn the smell out of something, especially if you're gonna do something like Burn up a bunch of human corpses. I, I keep repeating the joke just because it's just funny. <laughs> we keep laughing about it. Yep. <laughs> Got to have a good chuckle every day. Um, it is. It's very insane. Again, it's about doing things with confidence, doing things with a certain elan, where you you just step in and you make this murder hotel, and no one questions you because it's such an insane idea. And then it, once the evidence comes out in the end, it's just like, that's what you find out. Literally hundreds of people made this possible. Yeah, 500. Yeah. Over 500. Over 500. Yeah. The other seemingly innocent installation, of course, you know, he installed... It was all this stuff with with confidence, and of course, since if someone would have seen the full picture, then they might have thought something was a little weird. But the other seemingly innocent installation was a safe that was adjacent to Holmes's office on the third floor. Of course, it did serve its intended purpose. However, the safe was also airtight and fitted with a gas pipe controlled from a valve in Holmes' bedroom closet. And like most other things in the castle, Holmes had scammed the vault into his possession. He'd bought it on credit at the beginning of construction, and when the creditors came to repossess it, the vault had long since been built into the structure. Holmes said, you know what, of course, you can take away the safe, but any damage that you do to my building... I'm going to sue you for. So the creditors mm-hmm. weighed how much they would actually lose from just letting them keep the safe and how much they might lose from being sued, and they just let them keep the safe. Which is very is- interesting because then you see how 
far his thought process had went is that he had known that because that safe is what he uses primarily to kill i think it's like 10 women like specifically his wives his wives and women who worked for him. yes mm. they would all end up in that safe and he kind of knew because that also it had a viewing port that he could slide open to a glass plate and he could watch i would like, like to see a uh, oceans 11 type heist movie we're like we're gonna go into hh Holmes' safe we're gonna take all the money yeah and they get gently in there and then finally they're like oh fuck oh <laughs> shit this is a murder safe <laughs> meanwhile jet lee's inside being like we and we come outside we look for diamond <laughs> hey call me oh come rip me out hey 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 bodies hey guy where you go hey guy i find i, I find no diamond in here <laughs> hey guy oh no oh someone kind of oh so rexic Oh, just you know, I have a strap I guess in a rock And so, meanwhile, Edgy Chong's just out front, just, just, just loving it. It's like Ocean's Fifteen. It's gonna be a good film. They I go back wait. in time. Yeah. So the <laughs> last odd installation that Holmes had in his house was also the most mocking because that's another thing that he loved. He. Loved doing all this in plain sight. He got off on tricking people. He got off on manipulating people. Well, talk about a superiority complex of all time. Oh, Jesus Like, Christ. again, where he, we would compare him to sort of like a Hitler, where he comes in here, he literally built a three-floor monument to death. Yeah. So you're and saying that Hitler was just hiding in plain sight? Technically, <laughs> he he stood up on all those podiums. Yeah, you know what I mean, he had big posters of himself everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. you had to go. Yeah, yeah the whole Nuremberg thing. They could have yeah. got him at any time. The reverse hiding, hiding. We didn't have to go find him. Right. You know what I mean? Like he was right there. We could have scooped him up. Carmen San Diego him. That's where if Carmen San Diego really should have put down the difference between herself and the American government and taken the helicopter over there, lifted up Hitler and took right. him to America, and then we could have spanked him as a punishment. And if <laughs> Germany would have. World War II, that would have been a great uh, game show for children. Where in the world is Adolf Hitler? Oh, he's everywhere in our homes and oh, the viewing tubes that watches our every move. So he had both in a room on the second floor and down in his cellar, he had installed operating tables because see here's the thing about H.H. H. Holmes. Like I said earlier, a great con man and great psychopath. These people have creatures. They have people that do their work for them and people that they can mesmerize and get them to do anything they want. Of course, mm. we know that in, say, like CEOs, high-powered uh, people, high-powered business people, uh, we know that their level of psychopath is much higher than the general population. Something like 4% of CEOs are psychopaths as compared to 1% of the general population. There's also something about big towers of personality yeah. that attract people to them. Look at Donald Trump. Look at Steve Jobs. Look at the Bill Gates. So these kind of people that kind of attract. They become, they're not necessarily the smartest man in the room, but they attract all these other people that work for them and build yeah. them up. And there, there's something about that where H.H. Holmes, as, as we're going to see in hindsight, it's become so important to the 20th century in terms of being like the first example of a madman that we have in America, a true American bread madman. That's like not like Jack the Ripper, who's a, an, an industrialist, who's like a man who like really <laughs> wants something out of life. And we made this man, and they just attract like employees. And it's almost like he willed himself into being. It's it's very interesting. Again, very different than uh, modern day serial killers, like in the sixties and seventies, where it was about like an inner turmoil that then became an outward express oh, government motion. regulation. You can't build a murder house anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's Dahmer insane. tried. Dahmer wanted it, right? He wanted a whole like altar built to death, but he just didn't have he, idle hands. <laughs> he just didn't. He couldn't get the balls nah, to fucking it. put it together. Over regulation. So Holmes, his other creature was a man named Charles Chappell. And just like Benjamin Peitzel, Charles Chappell was one of the skilled laborers that came around uh, when Holmes was building the murder castle. And we don't really know how this conversation was struck up, but Holmes discovered through small talk that Chappell had done contracting work at Bennett Medical College. And he furthered his line of questioning and found out that Chapel, while working there, had picked up the skill in the college anatomy lab of articulating skeletons. We brought this up last week when we basically talked about how like medicine, like 
medical school at this time was basically like butcher school. And you kind of had to half be a psychopath to just because like they were just hacking up bodies, yeah. like seeing how they worked. So I bet at this time it's totally fine to talk about the workings of the human skeleton and not like modern times when something like dog meat begins <laughs> his expertise of the human skeleton right. and it leads him to be alone. <clears throat> yes, yes, that's but true. these medical schools literally bred these Dickensian type villains. This is a man who brags about how good he is about stripping the flesh off a body to make it into a sellable skeleton. It's like that Mike Rowe show on CNN. Somebody's got to do it. And he's just doing it. So Holmes, brazen as ever, of course doing it with complete confidence, took Chapel up to the second floor of his murder castle where he showed him a partially dissected corpse. He had a dead body in the murder castle. Chapel said that the body looked, quote, like a jackrabbit that had been skinned by splitting the skin down the face and rolling it back off the entire body. Considerable flesh had been taken off, which only made my job easier and my <laughs> chuckle a little bit looser that day. H.H. <laughs> 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 Holmes gets it started and he just has these guys come and finish the work, huh? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's also interesting because this shows a pattern that's going to uh, later on fuck H.H. Holmes, where J.H. Holmes finds these allies that he thinks he can tell parts of his plan to. Think about this. That the skeleton man got to go up into the second floor and live. Most people did not. Most people who made it to the second floor were basically already dead. Like, because that's what he would do. He would sort them. The third floor, because that was his office, was the more hotel rooms. Yeah. The second floor was really the death floor. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting where he met this guy who was like, "You understand my devilry? <laughs> Come see my handiwork." So you're asking why? Like, why Chapel didn't think anything was weird about this guy having a partially dissected body? on the second floor of his hotel. He knew that Holmes was a quote-unquote doctor and assumed that he was just doing a post-mortem on a patient who would die. And yeah, you know, every autopsy always involves slitting the face open and peeling the skin off the skull, (laughs) right? Right, doctors who listen to the show? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So without asking any follow-up questions, Chapel took a payment of $36, had a trunk delivered to his house with the body inside, took the partially dissected body into his home, stripped the body of its remaining flesh, re-articulated the skeleton in a way that could be hung in a quite pleasing to the eye way. According to Marcus, with a little twitch of a smile in the corner of his eyes. I'd love to have an articulated skeleton. But anyways, he took the skeleton back to H.H. Holmes. Holmes took the skeleton to Hanneman Medical College, where he sold the skeleton for nearly $200 in 1895 uh, money. Making money on top of money. Making money, making money. Um, And also, but they didn't actually put it in how Chapel delivered the uh, skeleton to Holmes with it sort of uh, tied to his body, like in front of him, like he was some sort of Boonraku Japanese shadow puppet, and he danced a weird skeleton dance to the song, the bump. And then, yeah, that's was. And then Holmes just sat and just, you know, clapped his cane to the ground and just going like, yes, 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 my favorite show. All right, let's go to the medical school, make $200 selling this dead woman's corpse that I killed all the way to the medical school. Did I say dead woman's corpse? I mean, uh, I'm a doctor, everybody just, here's another $36. 200 bucks for a skeleton. That's a hell of a price, though, isn't it? See, I do. I'd sell a skeleton for 200 bucks even in this economy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just for $200, that's all you're going to sell a skeleton for? How much is that in 1880 money? That's what I'm looking for right now. I think in 1880 money, it's going to be quite a bit. It's going to be a lot higher than you think it is. Unfortunately, the inflation calculator only goes back to 1913. But even in 1913 money, that's five thousand dollars. Whoa! Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it had to have been a little bit more uh, back then. Yeah. So but five almost- grand for a skeleton because these people were. Desperate for skeletons, uh, they were—they really were. They were desperate for se- skeletons, and they were desperate for bodies of any sort. In fact, at this point mm. in history, grave robbing for the purpose of selling the corpse had actually become a lucrative profession. Even doctors themselves, when there wasn't enough guys coming around just offering up bodies, the doctors themselves would go out 
and rob graves in fact after a raid on a graveyard at an insane asylum in kentucky because insane asylums were they were very popular uh, places to rob graves because of course nobody cared about these people yeah. they were just a complete faceless nameless crazy folk and you right. get a bunch of cool different types of skeletons yeah big <laughs> big headed ones so chapel the skeleton man he wasn't the only person who remained blissfully ignorant of holmes's suspicious behavior this is what a druggist named Erickson said. I sometimes sold him chloroform nine or ten times a week, and each time it was in large quantities. I asked him what he used it for on several occasions, but he gave me very unsatisfactory answers. At last, I refused to let him have any more unless he told me, as I pretended that I was afraid that he was not using it for any proper purpose. I'm huffing it, okay? <laughs> I'm a goddamn huffer. Well, you, thank God you said something, because, buddy... <laughs> Let's ride that dragon. (laughs) I've been lonely long enough. Do you want to play some strip poker and huff some chloroform? Do I? (laughs) Holmes told him that he was using it for, quote unquote, experiments. (laughs) Which is not a lie. These doctors are just like, doctors are just crazy people. (laughs) Yeah. But when Holmes came back for more and the druggist asked him how his, quote unquote, experiments were going, Holmes just gave him a blank look and said, I'm not performing any experiments. God, you just got to write it in a journal, man. <laughs> yep. Remember your lies. But this yeah. is, again, his superiority complex was so big is that he forgot that he would lie. He just wouldn't care. He would say whatever right. it was in the moment to get out of it. It's a true psychopath. Yeah. Where he, every, he was like a goldfish. And what we're going to see later on, too, he built this three-floor castle devoted to death and he eventually gets bored with it, yeah. like a true psychopath. Yeah. Like, like we'll, we'll get through, once he gets through the, the World's Fair and all that shit, he's kind of like, oh, I need a new thing in my life. Yeah. Mm, crocheting. He's got a <laughs> franchise. I can crochet naughty out. things. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I truly believe that if, I mean, I'd, Ben, yeah, I mean, you're joking, but I think that if he wouldn't have gotten caught, because he didn't get caught for the murder castle, I think if he wouldn't have gotten caught, he would have been committing these types of murders, building murder castles all across the United mm. States well into the 20th century. Oh, that would be so much fun, a chain like Roy Rogers. Okay. <laughs> So great. That would be fun, though. But then eventually he'd grow. They'd stop becoming murder cat murder castles. They'd stop well, becoming yeah. and just be like fun places to go. Yeah, we could have gotten ourselves a really cool bunch of hotels. Yeah, we had just <laughs> let him live. We had just let him let him be. Let him get it out of his system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have become you know weaker and weaker versions of uh, versions of the original murder castle. It would, you know, by murder castle five, it would just be a great time to bring your family for the weekend and scare the hell out of your kids. Yeah, just a bored fifteen year old with the fake HL Holmes like mustache oh, on yeah. and like a paper top hat on just going like oh here ye here ye everybody take the grease you to death only five parcels all right you get go. on in keep your hands inside a cart at all times you know people are like we are going through the fucking grease shoots yeah. goth, and- a goth son's popping his bubble gum too loud unimpressed also no, i feel jeremy like- <laughs> jeremy we are at hey this is a Holmes castle. We're having a very nice time. It's not even nice scary. It's not even close to scary. But I also think it's a good predecessor. The Grease shoot would have been a great predecessor for how fat Americans had become. Totally. And, and helping replace the dreaded stairs. Oh, we're going to get rid of elevators. It's all going to be Grease shoots. Elevators are too tough. you got to stand in them. Well, as far as letting him do his own thing, I mean, the druggist that was selling the chloroform to him, he may, this is how blissfully ignorant he remained even after Holmes had gotten caught, even after all of the horrible things that he did came out and were in the newspapers every day. This is what Erickson said about him. I could never make him out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, just, you know, this guy that came in and, yeah, you know, just... about chloroform nine or ten times a week. Right. And, you know, apparently he had this murder castle and, you know, murdered children and, you know, almost murdered an entire family. But, you know, I could never really get a beat on the guy. You know, he it's... might as well have just said... Different strokes for different folks. Right. <laughs> but he paid the guy. Yeah, he paid you the know, So he knows guy. who to pay. Yeah, he he does know. Well, I mean, he... D- Eventually, all payments stop. Yeah. That's the problem is that all the money runs out. Yeah. And so, yes, he knew of all the people you gotta pay, you gotta pay the chloroform guy. <laughs> you pay your dealer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he's the one who knows he, he, if he cuts you off, you're gonna have to just start strangling people. Yeah. Right. And that wasn't his bag, man. He didn't no. like the strangling. He liked... What H.H. Holmes liked was he liked getting the chloroform... Like, he'd soak a chlor- uh, rag and chloroform 
chloroform and he'd put it over the woman's mouth and what happens when you chloroform someone is they'll slowly drift off into sleep and then the body will start spasming like you're having a running dream the body would start spasming and he would have to hold the body down and it was the body the last death the death throes of a woman's mm. body, that's what made him hard. That really made him spill his spats. Yeah. <laughs> like, he absolutely... Because you'll find out it was a big thing about sex. He fucked a lot. Yeah. Like, that's mm. the thing about H.H. Holmes, is that he had many different wives, many different... Like, he, every time he would hire a new buxom young cashier, he was porking her immediately. Mm. Yeah. And so, like, of, again, of all of them, this is the probably the most juiced killer out, out of any one of them. Yeah. So he's got like a bone zone, but <laughs> multiple different meanings. Which though. is why you could see them compare him to Jack the Ripper because of the sexual nature of the crimes, but he just didn't have the same MO. Like Jack the Ripper just loved cutting them titties off. Well, and that made me that makes me sad. Because I like titties on the woman. Yeah, that's where they belong. <laughs> well, Mudget, the the uh, oh, the guy mind. that wrote the Jack the Ripper is H. H. Holmes book, what he said it's the dumbest thing in the world, is that he said that the Jack the Ripper murders were actually committed. Committed at H. H. Holmes's behest by an assistant, possibly Benjamin Peitzel, that he went over to England and got Benjamin Peitzel to do the Jack the Ripper murders as a smokescreen? I don't think serial killers normally are big like delegators of responsibility. <laughs> no, no. They don't really build a team of rivals yeah. to help them out. <laughs> so as far as people getting a little suspicious, but not really, people in the neighborhood, they noticed that an unusually high rate of turnover in the staff on the first floor of Holmes's murder castle. One neighbor remarked how the mostly young and attractive women who worked for Holmes seemed to just... Leave without warning. And not only would they leave without warning, they would leave all their belongings behind in their rooms that weird. were always on the second floor. And it's just so weird about how every single time he had a new employee, he'd make them fill them out to fill out some crazy insurance claim and list him as the dependent. Yeah, actually, that is true. He would. Mm. That was it. Holmes's favorite scam was the insurance scam. And he tried to get anybody that he could to try the insurance scam. But the scam will come later on. Police started receiving letters from parents looking for missing daughters. Private detectives would come to Chicago for the same reason. And if a girl had sent out a letter to her family with the return address of the murder castle, the detective would go to the murder castle. He'd talk to Holmes, and Holmes would, you know, he'd him and haw. I'm like, oh, it's just such a horrible thing that these women are disappearing. I see it every day. Every day I have women coming in and out of here. And, you know, who knows what happens to them. And none of the detectives, because Holmes was that's what kind of personality he was the detective would go and they would think oh well you know he was such a helpful person yeah yeah it's, it's mm -hmm. like this is a, such a fine man of industry he would never be a part of this plot even though they go in he's like be careful in the hallway I just have to all these piles of ladies shoes I just need to clean this out this is just this is the wrong place for these piles of missing women's shoes to be alright and Peitzel and he's like yes master you know meanwhile the detectives are just watching all the thing being like this is totally normal. <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> yeah, because they saw him. He was, H.H. H. Holmes was the the man's man of the late 19th century. He was what the American aspired to be. I would put him uh, at, like, he was as, like, Teflon as, like, O.J. Simpson. Mr. Holmes, just one last question. What do you use in your mustache? Oh, I'll tell you. It's uh, fine. <laughs> it's a self-made potion I'd like to call lady blood. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. <laughs> it's just a normal wax, I mean. Um... <laughs> Anyway, says anyone like toasted bread? <laughs> I've invented a machine that uses an inner fire within to make bread from white to brown. Mm. <laughs> Just a hell of a mustache on that agent. <laughs> he actually was quite fond of contraptions. Oh. He uh, he did actually invest in something called the ABC copier that was a uh, an ancestor of the mimeograph. And he also ran mechanical scams where he told uh, men that he had a contraption. He had constructed a contraption that could turn uh, water, clear tap water, into gas. Uh, and so he would bring all these men down to his basement, and he would show them. He had the contraption, of course, was a scam. It was a flim flam contraption, yeah. flam flam machine. Uh, and he would turn it on, and of course, water would go in, and he had a gas pipe connected 
to the machine and gas would come out. And of course, all these men were so taken in by Holmes's personality, they invested the equivalent of, in today's money, $10,000 in this machine. So it was like an alchemy type thing? Yes. He was just it, water into gas? Yeah, he was like, well, if you see, I have this defibrillator that goes into the guancamonk, and then after and this... Like, of course, it, of course, science, of course, of course. Yeah. Tell me, you have at least four dead girls in the basement, right? For science? Yeah. Oh, it's for science, all right. Science is wonderful. Yeah, I feel like everyone was just pretending to be very smart. Yes. And then they were just like, oh, absolutely. That makes all the sense I, in the of world. Course, absolutely. absolutely. Yes. I electrocuted, of industry. Yes. Absolutely. Of course, I, was, I electrocuted my horse yesterday yes. just to see it die. But <laughs> that, was ju- that was for fun. No, Thomas Edison did that. Thomas Edison electrocuted an elephant to death to prove that his way of electricity was better than Tesla's. Well, I think yeah. Rockefeller did it, didn't he? No, no, no. no, no, no. It was Edison. But he did that whole thing. That was a whole f- fraud thing, and they stole it from Tesla, and Tesla got those ideas from aliens. But we'll talk about that in a different <laughs> episode. That's actually true, though. He did speak. He did have um, psychic connection to Grays, and they told him about um, wireless electricity. That is actually true. Yeah. That is yeah. true. Yeah, and did you true. know that the the uh, Tesla, the actual new uh, vehicle, is made using Tesla? Tesla's original battery. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's all- alien ideas, alien bread. We're fucking reverse <laughs> we're reverse engineering this shit. It's been going on since Eisenhower. The gay to Trinity is real. We are fucking in cooperation. We are not even close to talking about aliens. <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited. I, I just thought just thinking about it makes me excited. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's extremely exciting. You guys think ISIS is real? <laughs> I got a flim flam machine to sell you. <laughs> Now, Holmes, he did use his operating table for actual medical purposes in the form of illegal abortions. Hey, hey, and that's just helping society. Well, hundreds supposedly visited his cellar for the operation, and not all survived. And any woman who ended up dying on the operating table ended up having their skeletons displayed in op- doctor's offices we, around the country. I'm just gonna, I also think it's important for any lady, if you if you are going to get an abortion uh, performed, I think, you know, you I believe it's your right to choose what to do, what you want to do with your body. But um, if the abortion machine has bicycle pedals, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. If he has to get on it and roll it around and you have to stick your feet up in the air and stick some tube up inside of you. It's a flim flam machine, <laughs> right? And then it kind of pulls out the uh, the yeah, fetus. Yeah, 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 you're like, wah, wah, and just him making baby noises in an in a old recording off to the side. You just hear baby yeah. noise like, wah, wah, mommy no, mommy no, oh, off to heaven I go, and, you know. And yeah. then then he's like, abortion has been done. Yep. Get out of my office. He looks you're a his, slut. His Apple Watch is like, and my heart rate is up. So this is good. This is good. Now, there was one piece of equipment in Holmes's cellar that couldn't be explained away. This was a contraption that he called the elasticity determinator. Ooh, what yeah. is that? He said that the purpose of that was to produce, quote, a race of giants by stretching people to twice their normal length, but in reality, it was it was just a torture rack. Torture rack. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's all it was. Kissel. Mm. I wish that would have worked and did, I could have friends. Did your mom and dad did. do that to you? <laughs> no, they as didn't. As a baby. But, you know, we did have one of those machines where you lie back uh, upside down like you're Batman and it stretches out your back. I use that quite regularly. Really? Gravity. Oh. Gravity stretched me out. Because your dad had a, like, a, to be honest, your dad had a very bad back. Yes, he did. All right. <laughs> that is a, a true Kissel family a true fact. Kissel fact. He was a truck driver. That's Bad right. back. That's right. So despite all the various irons Holmes had in the fire, he still had time for love. Now, we talked about Murda Z. Belknap in the first episode, but she would be far from Holmes's last romantic conquest during his time in Chicago. And unfortunately for a man named Asilius T. Connor, a.k.a. Ned... <laughs> Wait, what, what? So everyone just like was just like, your name is too hard to pronounce, so you're Ned now. Everybody yeah. started with shitty names. <laughs> right. And then in order to make it in America at the time, you had to change your name to a shorter, easier name. Was yeah. this the beginning of idiocracy? Whether it's like, <laughs> is a far too difficult name, you're Ned. Well, unfortunately for him, 
the conquest uh, that H.H. H. Holmes would have after Murda would be with his wife, a much more unfortunate woman named Julia. Now, Julia was described as a very buxom, tall, intelligent, fierce woman. Six feet tall. Yeah, Ooh. and that she was like, her family was so disappointed that she ever was with Asilius, a.k.a. Ned, that she, they fought They fought the marriage, but he, it was just like she could rule this guy's life, so she did. Yeah, so Asilius, a.k.a. Ned, had taken over the operation of Holmes's pharmacy with Julia working there as well. And then Holmes, she was not there on accident. Holmes had seen her come in and was like, gonna bang it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what he did. Hmm. Well, compared to Ned, Holmes was, as Harold Schechter put it, a dashing figure, a bold, dynamic businessman, dapper and glib. (laughs) Huh. That's Harold Sheck. <laughs> yeah, I like that Sheck. He sounds like he kind of sounds. He's more like a Kermit. He sounds like Kermit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the dashing figure, a bold, dynamic businessman, dapper and glib, much like I have been described. <laughs> <laughs> so it took Asilius, aka Ned, the better part of a year to figure out that Holmes was sleeping with his wife. Yeah, man, he had been sleeping real deep in a bed that was made out of denial. <laughs> yes, H. indeed. H. Holmes was says wrecking that bush. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and with- by the time he could stand the affair any longer and sued for divorce. Holmes had already grown tired of Julia. See, Julia and Silius, a.k.a. Ned, already had a child named Pearl, and just like Murda Z. Belknap, Julia, who worked with Holmes, horned in on his flirtation time. Yeah, it was being mm. a real boner crusher. <laughs> I see. And to make matters worse, after Holmes had already gotten tired of her, Julia got pregnant in November of 1891 and expected Holmes to marry her. And Holmes, he said that he wouldn't be able to take care of both her existing child and a new baby, so we told her, yes, 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 I will make you my wife, but only if you get an abortion and only if I perform it. Absolutely, oh. though, you know. But in the end, he's taking responsibility. <laughs> is that right? Absolutely. I think I every boy. Of it, isn't I it? think every boyfriend. If, if you insist that your girlfriend get an abortion, you you got to do it. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, and he especially nothing makes a woman more at ease for him to be like, just sit here, let me get my abortion machine going. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's a leaf blower. <laughs> that is just a leaf blower, sir. Just get in my safe. <laughs> <laughs> so he told her. He said, "Hey." In college, I did it a dozen times over. Absolutely, like building an apple bomb. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He said, you got nothing to worry about. I can take care of it. And for one reason or another, I don't know who chose the date to do this, but they decided they were going to do it on Christmas Eve, 1891. So is this the inspiration for the Ben Folds 5 song, Brick? (laughs) It might be. I believe it is, actually. Yeah. Actually, ain't it, though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ain't, ain't, it, ain't it though, Marcus? <laughs> ain't, ain't it though, Henry? <laughs> I would say an abortion Christmas Eve on a uh, an abortion on Christmas Eve is like a little inappropriate, <laughs> a little bit. But I would say you know when it's most inappropriate, July Fourth. <laughs> yeah, that's like America's July birthday. Would be yeah. a bad one. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it on America's birthday. No, that's the. I truly love America. Or Thanksgiving. You can do anything on Thanksgiving. I'd say le- <laughs> for an abortion. Make it like on a Tuesday. Is, plan, a ra- is Planned Parenthood open on holidays? Well, I'm going to find out this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so on Christmas Eve, Holmes left Julia in her room saying he would put her baby daughter Pearl to sleep himself, which he did with a fatal dose of chloroform. Mm. He returned and led Julia down a hidden staircase to the cellar that she, despite living and working in the castle for almost a year, had never known about before. I just would, at that point, would just be like, I am having second thoughts. (laughs) It's kind of cool. If you don't know that it's a murder castle and it's got all these secret stairways and things like that, women like a man of mystery. That kind of mystery? (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know if she knew what kind of mystery it was. (laughs) So Holmes telling her that he was putting her under for the operation. He once again administered a fatal overdose of chloroform, stripped her bones of their flesh. By the way, that corpse that Holmes took chapel up to look at on the second floor, that was Julia Connor. And she was the first skeleton to be sold 
to medical science and would not be the last. Her bones eventually ended up in the office of a private surgeon named Pauling, and he was known to remark to visitors that the skeleton, almost six feet tall, must have been a fine-figured woman when she was alive. Which is a really creepy thing for somebody to say about a skeleton they have (laughs) in their office. How many skeletons did he sell? How many skeletons? We don't know exactly how many. It was his... It wasn't the most popular form for him of body disposal because, of course, if you start selling a lot of skeletons, it's going to raise a couple eyebrows. But if you sell like a baker's dozen... Uh, they just think that maybe you're just pretty good at grave robbing. Because, yeah, or well, just, I mean, you if know, you order 12 skeletons, though, and you get 13, like, you're just sort of like, I can just go for the 12. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with an extra, extra skeleton? I don't know. It just seems like in the end, there's a lot of people not answering, answering asking any questions. No, no questions whatsoever. Yeah. No one asks any questions about the only questions that anyone right. ever asked of H.H. H. Holmes was when they came to collect the debts. I'm fairly certain they don't use real skeletons any longer, right? In the doctor's offices, most and, of these things are synthetic yeah, now. Yeah, unless are lame they're Chinese. Now. What? The oh, Chinese, no- yeah, yeah, the bodies exhibits, yeah, they yeah, still sell, the Chinese still sell skeletons, you can still buy bones from them. And those I, were war criminals, or to the Chinese they were war well, criminals. political prisoners. Yeah. Yeah, maybe war criminals to you, Ben. Hey, you know what I'd say? What? It's better to make money at home. Use your own personal resources, and they have a lot of political prisoners. Yeah. And that's great, that's... That's easy money, kid. Yeah. yeah. And you can will, I suppose, Henry, uh, with your will, you could will your skeleton to a university or something. Yeah, to, to medical science. You know, you can will it to uh, a mortuary sciences school, but mortuary sciences schools, they actually usually get cadavers from the homeless and people who don't claim bodies. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, the, the underneaths. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's another fun th- fact about mortuary sciences school uh, is the uh, underclassmen, uh, they get the... Um, the river bodies. Oh, nice. Yeah, the they bloated get, ones, Yeah, huh? they get the bloated ones, the super decomposed ones. They might just get an arm or a leg. You have to be there for a year or two before you get the full cadaver. I couldn't even, I couldn't even dissect a worm in biology <laughs> class. I don't think I'd do very well. I threw up when I dissected a kid. A child? A child. You dissected really again. Oh, oh, yeah, got you really got really upset. upset. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. Did you ever do it again? Every single time I see one. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I will say my skeleton will be saved to haunt my family. <laughs> that's very nice. Um, so that's the end of this episode. We're going to get deeper into the uh, the full mischief <laughs> yes. of H.H. H. Holmes next week. Yes, the just, individual mischief. Uh, just really quick, you know, with Mengele and things like that, we did actually learn some things in a bizarre sort of way. Did H.H. H. Holmes teach us any true facts about medicine? Maybe in a roundabout sort of way. Maybe I mean, it, it could have been that the people that studied one of the corpses or the skeletons that he sold, maybe one of those people discovered right. something uh, that was of value. He was but, also the person, the first person to be a free-form architect. Yeah, you know I mean, true. he was a real abstract house builder. Right. Well, right. I mean, really, doctors at this time they didn't have Gray's Anatomy. They didn't have a uh, a re- they didn't have a, a reference book that you could look back upon. Oh, I thought you were talking about the TV show. No, they but didn't that, have that either, sad. Ben. They didn't have Sex in the City either, Ben. They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Miranda. I thought Dr. Hottie was that. Was it Hottie with the body? McHottie? Yeah, yeah. Mc McStuffins. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh, they didn't have those, so right. they needed these skeletons to for reference points. They right. could look and they could say, like, okay, if this person, say this person got shivved in an alley, I can look here and I can see that his ribs end at this point and I can see that the lungs are located at this point on the body and so I know if the lung has been punctured mm-hmm. or not. So you wonder if he did sort of validate what he was doing because he felt maybe, it, everyone thinks that they're doing something good. I wonder if he was sort of validating it a little bit with being like, I am helping science, I am helping medicine, but just and every also scientist, craving my desire for murder. But my question is, let's ask people, we have a lot of scientists that listen yeah. to the show, like uh, if you do something really good with your job that day, do you cum your pants? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe. Like, do you finish a research paper and just go, good, and then they're like, yeah, scientific method has been achieved. Yeah. All right. Well, wow. This is so exciting. We're learning a lot about H.H. H. Holmes here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the next episode, <laughs> yeah, le- next episode we're going to get into a couple of like individual murders that he actually confessed to himself because we'll see that he has 
three separate confessions, uh, and we'll get into some of the uh, the murders that came straight from the horse's mouth, uh, and we'll get into the uh, scam that eventually led to his downfall, the chase across America in search of the children that he took along with him, uh, and his uh, eventual trial. This is a good old-fashioned family story. I love it. It's like National Lampoon's uh, vacation. It is. Yeah, going to Wally yeah. World. All right, well, you can find Marcus on Twitter. If you want to reach out and uh, talk to him about these things on the internet, please do. Yeah, so I do love that. talking he's, about things. He's at Marcus Parks. Henry's on Twitter at Henry Zabrowski. Watch Heroes Reborn on Thursdays at 8 p.m. on yeah. NBC. Yeah. And uh, I'm at Ben Kissel, which is kind of exciting. And the big thing that we are announcing this week uh, by popular demand, which is fucking awesome that you guys want to help us out so much, we're uh, launching a full-on Patreon campaign next week. Uh, it'll either be Monday or Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, to coincide with the new episode. Uh, we're going to be offering some super cool premiums for you guys. Uh, if you, you know, get each level has a different premium. We've got plenty of bonus content. We've got the last podcast reading series, which is going to be fun. I'm going to read the Bible from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've also got, uh, I think we're going to have what? access. You're reading the Bible from beginning to end? 30 minutes at a time. It's a lot, of, a lot of that. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and we're also, gonna, and we're also yeah. going to be. Uh, I've got, you know, maybe some bone-related uh, prizes for a lot of people. Henry's pointing at his asshole right now. <laughs> Literally pointing at his butt like a child. I have to shit. So okay, bad. all right. So thanks for supporting uh, the so shows yeah, here well, on CCR. So yeah, it's a, the Patreon campaign starts next week. Uh, it get, <laughs> Henry is butt. pointing at his butt. Yeah, I thought you were talking about maybe like a butt. Hole, no, like, no, related. I have to shit. Uh, okay, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> Mike, last podcast, Cave Comedy Radio, uh, CaveComedyRadio.com slash merch is where you get your last podcast on yep. the left. T-shirt. Uh, and uh, the last, the uh, live show this month is going to be right at the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We're going to be doing it. Henry's back for the first time in months. It's going to be fucking awesome. And hail gain, everyone. Hail Satan. I'll have to shit that day as well. <laughs> all right. Hail yourselves. Uh, check out Top Hat, page seven, Sex Under Human Activities, Roundtable of Gentlemen. And I think that's it. I think that's a Magoostalations. Magoostalations. No shit. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.